just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you here uh, on this Monday. And, I, you know, uh, I have two sons. They are adults now, at least in age, not always in behavior. And now I have a, a grandson, my first little grandchild. He's, uh, he's two, and he's, he's the best. And I want them to become not just men because they will unless they listen to the world, but I want them to become godly men, good men, whole men. Well, what does it look like? How do we do it? Because, I mean, the world will tell them they're women. That's how messed up the world is. I think we know that right now. And not just that. There's, you know, there's a lot of things that can cause uh, them to to go in a wrong direction. One that's not, uh, you know, as good for them as what God has in mind. And I want the best for my sons. I want the best for my grandchildren, the ones I don't even have. How do we do that? We're going to talk about that today. Uh, my guest is Rhonda Stoppy, and she has a, a book out. It's actually a re-release because it did so well when it initially released that Harvest House was like, we're going to update this thing, get it out there again, because truth is truth, and it's more urgent these days than ever. The book is called Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. Uh, and, you know, it's not, I like to picture the trees, by the way, because trees are made to to grow into bigger trees you know saplings grow into trees unless something goes wrong uh and that's what we're talking about is how to put them on that right path so they're fruitful healthy Rhonda, great to have you on life today live i'm so happy to be with you today thanks for having me so give us we'll give us some of the details obviously but give us sort of the quick overview of you know where you're trying to go with this as a mother of, of uh sons and grandsons uh, now, um, when you initially wrote this and kind of why we did the re-release, the, the update, the, uh, the kind of putting it out there again. Well, in 2013 is when this first birth book first came out. Uh, I speak at homeschool conventions. I speak at women's events. And when I talk about moms raising sons to, to be men, it's standing room only. Mm. Moms are crying. Mm. Moms are trying to figure out, you know, they hold this sweet little baby in their hands looking in that precious little face and they know this responsibility that they have to guide him and the subtitle of the book is guiding him toward guiding them toward their purpose and passion so when i was a young mom i have two daughters and two sons and when i was a young mom and i knew um I, the mom i wanted to be but i knew the mom that i was and the my family rode the emotional roller coasters of my ups and downs and i was more putting out fires, more fearful of what I did not want right. my son to become. Right. So I wasn't guiding. I was just constantly trying to redirect. And, you know, mom guilt is a real thing. I mean, how many moms lay in bed at night and say, I'll be a better mom tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to be kinder to my children. Tomorrow, I'm going to, you know, laugh with them and play with them. And, and I'm going to have a purposeful day with them. And then we just wake up and we go back into survival mode. I've been there. So when I knew I wasn't the mom I meant to be, there was a moment when my my daughter was four. We have an older son, Tony, who did not come to our family till he was 15 years old. He became our eldest. Uh, he grew up to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force, and uh, he went to A&M University. I know you're in Texas, Gig so some are, some are cheering and some are not. Gig <laughs> Gig <'em. laughs> and he's a lieutenant colonel, flew the F-22. Wow. 
So when I talk about my oldest being Meredith, it was until Tony came. When we moved to Austin, Texas, we planted a church in Lakeway, and that's when we found Tony, and he became our son. But when Meredith was my oldest, uh, she was four, and when her little brother was born, she said to me one day, I know you can't wait till we're grown so you can do whatever you want. And I was yeah, but if you have a firstborn girl, they're articulate usually. And so fortunately, she put into words the impression I was giving my children. Mm. And it brought me, it broke me. Mm. Why am I 60 years old, 61 years old, and I'm crying over it even now? Because we know the mom we want to be. And we know in real life, we're just tired worn out they say in your 30s it's the unfriendly years for women because we're hormonal and we're exhausted so i knew i needed help and my husband was working in youth ministry at the time so i looked around at the moms of some of our teens and the ones the kids that wanted to be with their parents that wanted to you know enjoy the company of their parents that were respectful to their laughed at their mom's jokes and i was like i need to know what you know And that is really where I went to these women and I'm like, I I need help. Mm -hmm. Titus two calls the older women to teach the younger how to love their husbands, which by the way, means be a friend to their husband and to love their children. And I wanted to know what these women knew. And what I love about these women is they weren't scholars. They were just genuine people that had lived the path ahead of me and they taught me from their successes and they taught me from their failures. And I don't know about you, but I teach more passionately from my failures than I do my successes. I want to, you know, I can write a letter to my younger self, does no one any good. But if I write it and put it in your hands, younger generation mom, now it has power to change the trajectory of your path. And that's really the the heart of Moms Raising Sons to be Men. It's a, it's a, written the way I talk because everybody's like, I'm not a reader. It's like, okay, girlfriend, you're a reader. You read social media all day long. We've established you're a reader. <laughs> I just have to write in a way that you will actually open a book and follow along. So uh, I'm super excited. It became the number two bestseller on Amazon. And my interview with Focus on the Family for this title in 2021 became their uh, in their best of episodes. So mm-hmm. moms are desperate for mentors. And that's yeah. when Harvest House came back and said, let's do a rewrite. Lots changed in our culture in 10 years. Let's let's update it. And that's what this new copy is. Okay. I have lots of questions for you, but one before <laughs> I get to those, uh, do you have women show up who don't have, you know, boys in their homes, but have influence, whether it's in a church setting or, you know, some of the community setting, where they're like, okay, I'm not actually raising a son at the moment, but I, I am in a role to shape young men into men, godly men. Does that come up a lot? Yeah, it's not often, but it is, uh, you know, a, a, I mean, I think about, I'm going to give an example. My daughter, Kayla, when she was, mm, I forget how old she was. I have a book out called Real Life Romance, and I got to put all my kids' love stories in the book. So her story's in there. <laughs> And she was in love with Estevan. And Estevan was the most adorable young boy, but she was probably 14 and I think he was 15. And he, my husband, you know, youth ministry for many years. So my husband wouldn't let them be alone together. They weren't allowed to call each other boyfriend or girlfriend, all the things. And I remember one day I had picked them up from school and I was driving a little uh, convertible BMW. It was an old one. He wanted to learn to drive a stick shift. So I said, come on, get in, let's do it. And as we're driving, um, Stev asked me, his family name is Stev. He asked me, um, 
why, why does Steve hate me? And I said, oh, Steve doesn't hate you. He loves you. And he said, well, why won't he let Kayla spend time with me? So here's this young man whose mom had died his senior year of high school. Mm. And I was like, okay, I have an opportunity to mold his biblical worldview. He is a new believer. So I said, you know, Steve, it's not that he doesn't love you. He doesn't want you to have sex with his daughter. And of course, my 14-year-old daughter sitting in the back seat with the eyes as big as saucers, like, Mama, no, Mama, no, don't have this conversation, Mama, no. That's awesome. And I explained to him, you guys, we see how much you love each other, but we also know that you aren't even aware of how much your bodies will long to give yourselves to each other before you're married. And if we let you spend time alone together, that you'll get in over your head. So we're here to help you walk in purity. We're help, we're here to help you one day walk down the aisle um, as virgins if you get married, which they did. They've been married over a decade now. Oh, wow. But all that to say, we can step into the life of young men if we'll have the courage to have those conversations with them. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that's good. So my daughter, um, my oldest, is the mother of my grandson and she is in survival mode many many days as you well know uh but it's i look back on raising our kids and i realize how much we tend to do that just trying you know from father's perspective trying to provide trying to buy the diapers you know i mean it was not not easy all the time uh and from a mother's standpoint just juggling and just my wife was home full time, but we had four kids in five and a half years. So it was a little, mm-hmm. it was a little crowded. Mm-hmm. She was full time, 24 seven. Um, that's different than molding, shaping, raising. What, what is the shift that takes place when you go, okay, I'm not just going to put out fires. I'm not just going to deflect from harm, but I'm going to now start to direct in a way so that the growth is there, but it's in, in a healthy direction. Cause that's, that's what I kind of see you saying in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. If we understand that motherhood is a ministry to which God has called us, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And just as if God were to call us, you know, I was talking to you before the show, we lived in Texas, planted a church, loved the ministry there. And God called us to come back to California to minister here. And honestly, I didn't want to come back. I didn't, the schools were terrible. The city we were moving our children to, my junior high boy was one of them, was a place where there was meth and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And the idea of leaving safe Texas, which this was in the 1999, we moved 2000, uh, January 1st, 2000 was our first Sunday in in California. Leaving that security to go somewhere that didn't feel safe anymore but knowing if God's called us to this, he will equip us for it. Hmm. And as we pulled into the town of Patterson, I remember kind of having a little bit of an anxious, like, oh no, oh no, what are we doing? And Isaiah 41, 10, do not be afraid or dismayed for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will help you. And I stepped back. I didn't even know I had that scripture memorized, honestly. But if you hide God's word in your heart, the spirit brings it up when you need to be encouraged, when you need to be you know, encourage meaning poor courage into you. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, Lord, if you promise to help us, then we will. So when you're looking at motherhood and it's this, you know, the fear, all the culture. In fact, there's a section at the the third section of moms raising sons to be men is called even if. 
even if he wanders, Mm -hmm. even if you're going it alone for single moms, even if you don't know what to say, all of those things are huge for us and it's scary. But if God's called us to this, he will equip us. Mm -hmm. And that is all I, that's the, the hope is that moms in history who raised people who turned the world upside down they were not biblical scholars. A lot of the the people that influenced the world for Christ were raised by moms. Think of Timothy. He was raised by his mom and his grandma, a single mom and a grandma. And I know a lot of your audience is probably grandparents that are raising their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And if I can just put a plug for the Grandparenting Summit that's coming to Dallas in <laughs> October 2023, I'm speaking at it. Go to LegacyCoalition.com and find out all the information. I used to speak at UCAMPS. Now I speak at grandma camps. So come join us. <laughs> Yep. But intentionally asking the Lord, if you've called me to this, and I know that you have, whether your son is in your home because you birthed him, whether it is a stepson, a foster son, an adopted son, if God's called you to this, he is the one that can equip you daily, asking him for wisdom and discernment and surrounding yourself with older women who will pour truth into you. Because I always say hashtag old ladies know stuff, which by the way, is the name of my new podcast. Old ladies know stuff. It's God's journey woman's plan to train the apprentice. Very good. Very, very, very encouraging. Uh, and I think women need to hear that. Uh, this is the book, by the way, Raising Son- Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, uh, available now, updated edition, great truth. And you mentioned uh, some people in the Bible. Mothers are actually quite cornerstone in scripture, not just Mary, obviously, mother of Jesus, but there's a lot of good examples. What what are some of the ones that you look at? So one of my favorite to talk about, especially with a world that's turned upside down with a culture that is so difficult to raise children right now is uh, Jochebed, Moses's mother, Hmm. because she gave birth to this little baby and had to hide him for three months and defied Pharaoh's law to let them kill her baby. She had other children she would have been put to death. She would have been, you know, whatever consequence that she could have endured for hiding this child, yet she hid this child until he was three months old and she could hide him no longer. She puts him in a basket in the bulrushes. But think about how it must have felt for Jochebed. And I do not know why this makes me cry. Letting go of that basket, not knowing what was going to happen to her little boy letting him float out of the safety of her hands into the care of her God. She had no idea there's, you know, snakes and crocodiles and water and all the things. And honestly, there's times that God has asked us to do things that make no sense. And if we were to ask people's advice, they would have talked us out of it. And we could have easily been talked out of those things that seemed unreasonable. And yet, if God's calling you to it, he gives you the courage. And of course, the baby floats into Pharaoh's daughter's arms and she adopts him. And Jochebed gets about four years max to nurse this baby before she has to put him in the arms of a woman who worshipped cats. We just went to the uh, Rosicrucian Museum in the Bay Area and uh, I, it hit me afresh looking at all the things that they worshipped, the idol, the idolatry. And knowing Jochebed gave her son to a woman who would teach him all of that idolatry. Mm, So the influence of a few years. And in that section that I talk about Jochebed, I talk about the influence of a few years. And my son, Tony, he was 15 when he came to our family. 
We didn't have years and years to to give him a biblical worldview. But the time that we had made such an impact on the man that he became. And so when we look at women in scripture and moms in scripture, be encouraged however long that season is that God gives you to pour into the life of your son, of your stepson, of your foster child. I meet a lot of foster moms who only have a son in their home for a year or two before they go back into a chaotic environment. Mm. But God's word does not return void and it will accomplish that for which we send it. We just have to be faithful to deliver it into their hearts and minds. One thing you say that I think is very encouraging, uh, especially when when you look at, at, at your parenting and sometimes you're like, man, I made a lot of mistakes. You say that one act impacts generations. Uh, and obviously that could be for negative reasons, but that can also be for very positive reasons. Uh, how, do, how should we look at our influence, whether it's parenting, grandparenting, all the ways that you mentioned, with that in mind that, you know, it's not necessarily a, a scale of <laughs> here's all the mistakes I made. Here's the things that weren't so bad, you know, but it's maybe that one thing that makes that indelible mark that changes the course of life. I, history is replete with examples, by the way, of mothers who changed the course of a young man's life and that young man changed the world. So, I mean, I know, I know it's true, but what what are you looking at specifically? One of the stories in the book, I love to tell good historical, biblical, and present-day stories of heroic moms that were just average women that accomplished an extraordinary life by just walking daily in obedience to what God called them to. Mm-hmm. St. Augustine's mother. St. Augustine was a rascal. He was a scoundrel. He was terrible. He's a womanizer. He drank. He partied. And his mother just followed him and prayed for him everywhere he went. (laughs) And she went to a priest at one time and she asked, will you please talk to my son? And the priest said, I won't, but you pray that God changes him through the word of God. And he tells St. Augustine's mother, God cannot ignore the prayers and the tears of this mother. And as time went on, and St. Augustine was living that crazy life. At one point, he reads a scripture and it stops him in his tracks and it brings him to repentance. And it is the moment that changed everything for St. Augustine. And it was the effectual, fervent prayers of his righteous mother mm. that accomplished much. And he he went and, you know, he changed the world. I mean, the the insights that we know so much from his teachings and from his preachings and all of the things. So wherever we find ourselves, um, I'm the no regrets woman. I own that trademark because I meet women all the time that are just so stuck in, uh, in their regret over, you know, the things that they've done, the abortion that they had, the, the affair, the, whatever those things are. And Satan keeps them stuck there and makes them think that they cannot be effective for the kingdom. I mean, I think of David's story when David cheated with Bathsheba later when his son Absalom was um, sinning, David didn't go in and correct his son. You know, he didn't go in and do what he should have done. And a lot of times we do that because, oh, I partied when I was young. So, you know, at least my kid's not doing as bad as I did. And they, and we just kind of step back instead of saying, no, that what I did when I was young is not who I am now. And I am going to step in and, and you don't even know how Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And I'm here to guard you until you're strong enough to stand against his schemes yourself. 
Boy, that's good. And that's, it's so true. And, and I think the best thing that uh, parents can do, but mothers and grandmothers, is to just do what God says to do. Just go, just go. It's like, I don't care all the reasons I'm not qualified. I don't care all the mistakes I've made. Here's God's truth. Here's how it can apply. I'm just going to go do it. There's a, there's a little bit of a, a fearlessness, I think, that's needed today especially. Uh, yeah. Yes, preach that, brother, preach that. Yes, it. we need, and, and what did God say? Okay, let's look at Joshua. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because Joshua's hero had just died. His mentor had just died. Mm-hmm. Joshua had seen how difficult Moses' task was. In fact, it was so difficult, Moses sinned and didn't get to go into the promised land because of his anger when he hit the rock instead mm-hmm. of speaking to it. And now God tells Joshua, tag, you're it, your turn. So why did God come to him and say, be strong and courageous? Because he was probably shivering in his shoes. And as moms, we're shivering in our shoes. We're seeing the lies of this culture, the deceptions that want to seduce our sons away from celebrating their manhood, the uh, pornography that is, you know, drawing them. And I got to say, if your kids are going into the bathroom with their phone or they're taking their phone or their computer into their room, stop guard their hearts. They don't even know how much pornography will get a hold of your sons and your daughters and won't let go, even when they're ready to repent, even when they're ready to not follow that path. What you feed your flesh, your flesh will crave. And so I meet a lot of moms, like, yeah, boys will be boys and kind of laugh about it. No, no, no. There's a story in Moms Raising Sons to be Men about a couple, Chuck and Angie. And Chuck started looking at uh, porn on the internet when he was in junior high. In a junior high boy's mind, he told himself, I'm gonna do this so I stay sexually pure until I get married. That made sense in his mind. (laughs) (laughs) But in an adult's mind, you're going, what? So in reality, we have to understand that they don't even know what we feed our flesh, our flesh craves. So we have to give our sons protection from that and say to them, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So Chuck grows up, he marries a virgin woman, they're believers, they love the Lord. And of course, Angie finds on the internet why her husband isn't interested in her in the marriage bed as much as she thought. She confronts him, he cries, never gonna do it again, but he does even though it, he was so ashamed of it. And Satan loves shame because it keeps us stuck in our sin and not effective for the kingdom. And so this is something that Angie said, and this is for those that are married to someone who's stuck with porn too. I, Steve and I have a marriage book out called The Marriage Mentor, Becoming the Couple You Long to Be. We talk about this. Angie said, what worked for me was when God finally convicted me that my resentment toward my husband for his addiction to porn was just as ugly and sinful as his addiction was when I was ready to repent and when I was ready to pray for him powerfully. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about prayer and I can't say enough. We are Moses on the mountaintop. And when we get weary and our arms are shaken, as Joshua was fighting that battle below, you get friends to help intercede alongside of you. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. Righteous, number one, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of my books have how to have a relationship with Jesus in the back of them. If you don't know, message me. I will send you more information because we can talk about this all day long. But if you don't know Jesus, you're missing the whole point. And then walking in uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. Walking in righteousness means you don't resent 
your husband for not being the dad you wish he would be. You don't resent your your children for rebelling against you. All of those resentments are sin that you're exchanging that for the powerful prayer life that God's calling us to, not only interceding for your own children, but for the children of this generation. In in the Old Testament, I can't remember where the verse is found, that God says, I looked to see if there was anyone to stand in the gap, and I found no one. Oh, let it be said of us that we are standing in the gap. You can't fix the crazy that's out there, but God can, and you can intercede and and move mountains with your prayer life for your children, for their friends, and for this generation that is being raised in a world we know nothing about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by the way, when when you say the resentments are sin, I, I want to position that I think in a proper way in people's minds because if if you're feeling that resentment or whatever it is, and we say yeah that's a sin, that is not a condemnation. It shouldn't be in as much as it should be. Uh, thought of, I think, as a roadblock. This is a hindrance. This is something that is keeping you from being as effective as God wants you to be and as you can be. And if you will look at it that way, uh, you know, like this is a this is a weed in your garden and you mm-hmm. want a beautiful garden. This is not to say, well, you have failed at gardening. This is to say, no, that's a weed. Let's get rid of it. And so if you will approach anything you hear today as, uh, you know, oh, I, I didn't realize I had a few hindrances, some roadblocks, some weeds, however you want to picture it, rather than, oh, you failed or you you haven't done all you should have, or maybe your kids are grown and you didn't do it right. Well, no, what we're saying is that God still has a role for you, still has a plan for you, still has a way for you to be incredibly influential and powerful in the the lives of young men and young adults, frankly. So, and honestly... We're more powerful preachers when we are preaching from what we know we've been saved from. That's true. And, you know, women I know who have had an abortion, you know, in the 70s when I grew up, I'm 61, almost 62 years old, and abortion became legal when I was in high school. Mm. And so many young women had abortions. It wasn't being talked about in the church. The culture, the, uh, you know, the leaders of the of the country said it's not wrong. So kids just went and, you know, had an abortion. Yeah. And later felt such regret, such shame, which I want to, before we forget, if for your listeners, if they uh, contact me, I'll send them a free breaking free from regrets that hold you back. It's one of my messages. So let's do that because we're talking a lot about regret. Uh, But the women who have said, I have been forgiven because God took my sin as far as East is from the West. I am whiter than snow. And now I can offer that same forgiveness to someone else. They are passionate and they are zealous to go rescue people from get getting stuck in thinking, oh, God can't use me. One of the stories in Mom's Raising Son is Bathsheba and David. They had an affair. David didn't rape Bathsheba. She went willingly. Mm. And then David killed her husband and they kept it quiet for about a year. David was pretending to be a godly king. She was the grieving widow who married this godly king. And at one point when Nathan said, you are the man, was when David finally repented. And then I love, because when God forgives, he forgives to the utmost. David went into his wife, Bathsheba. He had other wives. That's a whole nother topic for another discussion. (laughs) But he went into her and God caused Bathsheba to conceive Solomon, the next king, the, the greatest, wisest king that ever lived. Because when God forgives, he forgives to the utmost. He did not discount Bathsheba for the motherhood role of Solomon 
because of her sin. He forgave it. It's gone. He doesn't throw it in our face anymore. Satan does. And we get to say, nope, that's gone because God promises as far as East is from the West, he has washed it away. Now, God, now I'm humble, right? Uh, I have to real quick, when David, when Peter said to Jesus, you know, Satan's not going to do that. And I mean, you're not going to die. When, and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. And then when when Peter cut the guy's ear off and Satan said, I won't deny you that whole, you know, that's Peter. And then he denies Jesus three times. He denies him. Jesus had warned him. He said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But Jesus didn't say, and I wish he would have, but I will not let him. Mm. He said, but I've prayed for you. And when you return, because he knew this is a season, why did Jesus let that happen? Because if Jesus would have built his church upon Peter before his fall, before his failure, he would have been in danger of being prideful and arrogant and self-propelled. God needed to show him, without me, you can do nothing and break his pride and he was so ashamed. In fact, when Jesus walked out from the Sanhedrin and looked right into the eyes of, of Peter as he denied him that third time and the cock crowed, their eyes met. Can you imagine the failure? The, you know, he said Peter remembered Jesus' words and he went out and he wept bitterly. Mm-hmm. But Jesus went after him. Yeah. After Jesus resurrected, he went after him. Yeah. And he said, now I'm ready to use you. So sometimes in our failure and our brokenness, God's like, now I'm ready to use you. Yeah. And you know, also at, at the end of that story or later in the story where Jesus asked, do you love me? He asked him three times. He allowed him to affirm every denial that he had had. So there's that, that beautiful restoration. Rhonda, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I want to show people your website real quick. This is, you can go to rondastoppy.com, uh, which I've got on the screen and uh, get to her website, find the No Regrets Woman podcast. You can also go to no regrets. Actually, it's old ladies, old ladies, no stuff. Podcast. I'm sorry. I'm getting okay. the URLs and the uh, podcast. I know. Sorry. You, got, you got a lot going on and it's good. <laughs> so the old ladies, know podcast. Yes. Old ladies, know stuff. Oh, old ladies, know stuff. You're, I, you're not an old lady. Yeah, I mean, that, I'll be 62 in May. I, that's the age is just a number. Well, okay. Hair color and makeup. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm not far behind you. That's why I'm in denial. So, uh, um, but then, uh, so, okay, so noregretswoman.com, rondastoppy.com, legacycoalition.com for the conference in October in Dallas if you want to be a part of this great stuff. A lot of good things, a lot of encouragement. And, uh, Raysa, if you want a copy of, uh, what was it you said you would send people, Rhonda? Breaking uh, Free from Regrets. Okay. If you, uh, to if you sign up for my newsletter, okay. you will also, and I only send it out twice a month when one of my podcasts drops, and I usually send an article. I write and do video articles for Crosswalk.com. Nice. Uh, but if you sign up for that, you'll actually get another video message of me, God Uses Ordinary People. But for your audience, if they let me know, contact me through my site, I'll send them the link to Breaking Free from Regrets that hold them back. It's an audio message. Uh, I try to do as much as I can for free. Each chapter of the book has a video of me talking through the chapter. Those are all free on my website. If you go to Facebook and join my Facebook group, Moms Raising Sons Book Club, I'm going to jump in there once a month and we're going to go through the book together. There's already 500 ladies in there. If you want to be a part of it, I'd love to have you join us. You'll have access to me, question, answers, interaction. I'm with you. When I was a stay-at-home mom and I was doing, and I worked, I've done corporate America and I've been a stay-at-home mom and I've homeschooled and I've not homeschooled. (laughs) 
But I remember like standing in the grocery store, looking at the paper towels and the napkins going, we can't afford both. I think we should get the napkins and put back the paper towels. Mm -hmm. So I get moms don't have money to buy books and all the resources. So I try to make as much free as I can. And I think I have Harvest House convinced March 7th when the book comes out. I think that week they're going to do the ebook for only $2.99 just for a promo. So uh, get on there, grab it while it's two ninety nine, and um, yeah, and you can help me by if you drop a book review, uh, tell your friends about the book. I know this is a resource that will help moms guide their sons toward their purpose and passion, and I need all the help I can get to get the word out. Well, and moms need all the help they can get. I know that, uh, and frankly, the boys in this culture, especially, they need all the godly wisdom and help they can get. So thank you, appreciate yes. all that you're doing, uh, ladies. Follow up. Uh, and hit share, tell some people that you know about this, uh, and anything, I think we covered it all. Did we get it? Well, there's just so much. We didn't even talk about adolescent sons and when they push their moms away, we have so much that we could have, <laughs> t- we could talk for hours. So just get the book, hang out with me, uh, social media. You'll find me mostly in Instagram, but I shamelessly post pictures of my 15 grandkids and that's just my life. <laughs> you do what you got to do. I get that. I love <laughs> it's good. We're <laughs> celebrating family and celebrating what God can do through the family. So again, hit share, hit like, hit follow, subscribe. If you haven't done that already, I've got more encouragement possible. for you right here. Uh, and check out, I'll show you the URL one more time. I mean, there's several of them. There's uh, the Legacy Coalition for the Conference, noregretswoman.com, Veranda, as well as rondastopping.com. So check all that out. You can do this. God's on your side. Come back. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.